You're listening to On the Right Road. Get ready to experience extraordinary real-life inspiration and discover valuable tools to help kids find and travel the right road in school and in life. And now, here's your award-winning host, author, singer-songwriter, producer, humanitarian, and founder of Right Road Kids. It's Paula Phillips. Right Road. Hello, everyone, and welcome to On the Right Road. I'm your host, Paula Phillips, and as always, I've got something good and positive and wonderful to say and share with you all this evening, and I hardly know how to start sharing all of the awesome of, awesomeness of tonight's show. First of all, you guys, it's our seventh anniversary show. We're celebrating seven wonderful years of On the Right Road. It's just an honor and joy to share this time with you on Sundays, and I learned about tonight's guest from one of you, amazing Right Road teacher friends, um, who let me know that my guest shared at a special program from, you know, at your school district recently. So I took a look at his website and was literally blown away by his core messages, his expertise, and his true understanding about the needs of teachers and students and the whole educational process. And then I read one of his books called Personal and Authentic Designing Learning Experiences That Impact a Lifetime. And I knew we had to have him here as a special guest on the right road. And I really wanted him to be the kickoff guest for our 2022 on the right road season. And he's here tonight for our seventh anniversary kickoff episode. So I'll introduce him to you all in just a few minutes. The theme we're going to focus on tonight is personal and authentic education. And all I can say, you guys, is get ready to be uplifted, inspired, and really empowered. This is going to be something really, really special tonight. So a huge right road welcome to each and every one of you tuning in. As always, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, And in addition to our wonderful conversation and all of the tremendous information and inspiration we're going to share here together, of course, I also have a whole bunch of awesome On the Right Road giveaways to share throughout the whole show tonight. And note, you guys, that I'll announce all of the recipients from all of tonight's live and pre-show giveaways on our Right Road Kids Facebook page this coming Tuesday afternoon. So make sure to check for that recipient announcement post so you know how to respond to receive your gift if you're a recipient this week. And the main recipient guideline, just as a helpful reference, is always to sign up as a Right Road teacher friend so you're in our gift mailing system. So if you haven't already done that, it just takes a sec. Um, Just go to the sign up tab on the right side of our Right Road Kids website at rightroadkids.org. So feel free to do that now, and then you'll be all set in our gift mailing system for as long as you're at your current school. And note that we'll be mailing all the gifts from tonight's shows at tonight's show out to the recipients the first week in February. So they should arrive around mid-month, and all the entry details will be a part of each giveaway opportunity, so you'll know exactly what to do to participate and enter. And I've got a great big bonus gift opportunity if you listen all the way to the end of tonight's show, where every single one of you can receive a $50 or $100 school supply gift pack. Really, every one of you. <laughs> so start, um, so to start, tonight's giving fun. Here's tonight's first very special seventh anniversary On the Right Road gift opportunity for you. It's open to all educators in the U.S. listening to On the Right Road right now. And first, I want to make sure to mention tonight's code word, which is the word authentic. So if here's the scoop. If you're new to On the Right Road and you're not sure how it works, what I'm going to do is share throughout the show about each giveaway opportunity. What you want to do, instead of waiting to have it pop up in your Facebook news feed, actually go to our Right Road Kids Facebook page, okay? And then when I explain each giveaway, it'll pop right up there. Just refresh the page. This one isn't there yet because I haven't explained it. But then the easy entry details will be right in the giveaway post, but also type tonight's code word authentic as part of each entry comment because that lets us know that you're listening and it officially enters you, okay? (laughs) So for this first giveaway tonight, as a fun boost relating to my guests, make it stick highlights that pop up using the visual of a post-it note throughout his amazing personal and authentic book, I have 10 
15 count post-it sets. Each set has 15 colorful post-it pads. So there will be 10 recipients and each will receive one of the sets like or similar to the one pictured in the giveaway post. Each set has a different batch of colors, but each is equally wonderful with 15 post-it pads. And what educator, I mean, doesn't love and need post-its, right? So to enter, just go to our Right Road Kids Facebook page right now as you're listening. Just follow the simple entry guidelines in the giveaway post. Remember to also type tonight's code word authentic as part of your entry comment. This giveaway will be open until just after the end of the show, till 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 9.30 Eastern tonight, and we'll announce the 10 recipients on our Right Road Kids Facebook page this coming Tuesday afternoon. Special thanks to Nair and to DCH Subaru of Thousand Oaks for helping to make this giveaway possible. And I think you all know this is just the first of the awesome giveaways I'll have throughout the whole show for you tonight. So keep our Right Road Kids Facebook page close and ready. Just a quick note that if you're not listening live tonight, we're live Sunday, January 16th, 2022. Tonight's giveaways will, of course, be closed after that. And now, you guys, I am just so happy. I mean, my heart's beating a mile a minute here. I'm so excited to introduce you all to my wonderful guest this evening. His name is Thomas C. Murray. And after celebrated years of elementary and middle school teaching and being principal at both levels, as well as having served at the district level, Tom now serves as the Director of Innovation for Future Ready Schools, which is a project of All for Ed based out of Washington, D.C., And as an important advocate and voice for education, Tom has testified before Congress, and he's worked alongside Congress, the Senate, the White House, the U.S. Department of Education, and school districts throughout the country to implement student-centered learning. Plus, as an ASCD best-selling author, Tom serves as a regular conference keynote speaker, and he's received countless honors and awards, including being named the National Ed Tech Leader of the Year, the Education Thought Leader of the Year, one of NSBA's 20 to Watch, and the Academy of Arts and Sciences Educator Policy Person of the Year. Tom has written or been a part of writing six books, including the lauded personal and authentic designing learning experience that impact a lifetime. And we're going to focus on that book here this evening on The Right Road. Tom is passionate about creating cultures of innovation where teachers are empowered to create the types of learning experiences and environments that are today's just absolutely needed for today's learners to thrive. Oh my gosh, this is so what we need in education and in educators and students' lives. And like I said, I'm just, I'm so thrilled to introduce you all to Thomas C. Murray and welcome him to On the Right Road. Welcome, Tom. Hey, Paula, thanks for having me. What an honor it is to be with you all. And for every educator that's listening, I don't want to say a single thing about the work that I do before saying thank you to each person that's listening for the work they're doing each and every day in schools. Your work matters every single day. Paula, congrats on the seventh anniversary. What an honor it is to join you. Oh, my gosh. This is just going to be such, like I said, such a special show. I'm just, and I'm going to dive right in because I I just literally have a mound of questions for you. So, Tom, so that everybody, all of our wonderful friends listening can really get to know more about you and your heart, how did your journey in education begin? Was it like a calling in your life from the get-go? So I would say my calling really came from serving and helping people. I actually went to college as a uh, pre, I was pre-med. I wanted to be a pediatrician. I knew I wanted to work with kids. And about a year in, and I did well, I said, you know, I want to work with kids more than just when they're sick. I want to teach. I want to work with kids and really get to know them. So I was 21 years old, fresh out of college, teaching fourth grade, thinking I had a clue as to what I got myself into. But it has (laughs) been a journey ever since. Oh, I love it. Well, and, you know, let me ask you this. So when you were in the trenches, you know, kind of another getting to know you kind of question. When you were in the hallways, the trenches, so to speak, you know, teaching in the classroom and as a principal, what was your greatest joy? And what was also, what was your biggest frustration on the flip side? Oh, sure. Yeah, great question. I, by, bar none, my largest joy was seeing the spark in the eyes of a child, watching that moment where they learn something for the first time, 
where they get something and, and that light bulb moment that goes off, the joy when they jump out of their seat because they understand something, or being able to call home and, and talk to a parent and tell them how amazing their child was, yes. those moments are things that I will always hold with me. On a frustration, and if I can be totally honest, I would say the bureaucracy of education, the things that often get in the way, the red tape, the constraints, the lack of supports at times, um, really got in the way with what we were trying to do it with kids. And so as educators feel that right now from coast to coast, I yes. certainly know that they can relate. Well, and that's what we're going to do tonight is really be of support, you know, provide what I like to call a mountain of support. And I'm, I'm just, that's what it's all about is putting the good out there. So Tom, here's a big question. How in the world did you move from, you know, the school environment into really being a national and global leader in the whole field of education. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I get that question often. How do I get to do what you do? And I often laugh and say, I have no idea. It's kind of my first thing. <laughs> you know, I never set the stage. I never set back and said, I want to be a keynote speaker. I never, you know, I want to speak in front of thousands of people. I want to be an author. It never, I never sat back and had those goals. What happened was I really believe the passion for the work led to saying, hey, I want to share this with other people. I started in my district by teaching some professional learning. And I just, it, like I said, with, with students, I also felt that way for teachers, helping them grow, helping those light bulb moments, helping them become more efficient help giving them ways to reach students in different ways. Um, so I, I continued to, to speak with people, work with people, teach some workshops, and uh, two things happened. One is I was doing something in a regional event, and somebody walked in one time, probably about eight years ago now, nine years ago, and said, do you keynote events? And I kind of laughed, thinking to myself, like, I don't know, do I? Like, have I ever? <laughs> and that really exploded, because one led to two, led to three more, and, and it's really been a journey on that side since. The other thing that happened was my district where I was in Pennsylvania was highlighted on Digital Learning Day. It was 13 nice. years ago. We had created a program where our, our teachers taught our own virtual school. It's going to sound real familiar right now with our own content. Students had any flexibility between the day, and we were highlighted on National Digital Learning Day just here February 22nd um, coming up. And we, uh, we were highlighted on that, that the organization, All for Ed, that runs that, ended up recruiting me about a year later, which then turned into leading future ready schools and so on and so forth. So that part's kind of the right moment in time being in the right spot. Well, and I love how it's such a great story of how our passion really leads to our right road, so to speak, you know. Yeah. So now I wanna yeah. I wanna dive into kind of the meat and potatoes of of what what I understand that you're all about, Tom. I to start, I've heard the term lens more and more lately. My son has used it frequently relating to his writing. And I noticed the word several times in your personal and authentic book. A lens is, is really how we look at and view something. So how did you form your current personal educational lens? Yeah, thank you for asking that. And I do use that phrase often. I really believe yes. We need to choose the lens that we operate with each and every day, especially at a time where things can be a struggle, right? So mm -hmm. in Personal and Authentic, in the first chapter, I share my first year teaching. And like I just joked a few moments ago, you know, there I was, fresh out of college, 21 years old, thinking I had an idea of what I was even about to do. But multiple things happened to me that year. I had a, a mentor who loved me enough to call me out when my mindset was off, but somebody I wanted to be like. And I share in Personal and Authentic multiple tragedies that happened with the loss of my, my, my mentor in a car accident, a month later, a student in my classroom passing away. And they were such, not just education-changing moments for me, but life-changing moments. And recognizing yeah. life can be incredibly short, and the moments matter. And we never really know when that last moment can be, which really taught me to understand that every interaction that we have matters. Every time students walk into our classroom, it could be that last time, because as a brand-new teacher, it was one day for me. And so with that, really helped me to revolve of, let's keep our context of our, our issues that we have that we're dealing with, which are very realistic. I'm not knocking anything that we're all dealing with right now, right. but let's keep it in the context of really what matters most. And having been to multiple funerals, having been to some of those tragedies, which many educators will at some point in their career go to th through those kinds of things, it yeah. really altered my lens to recognize how do we continue to pick up the pieces and run forward for kids, but maintain proper perspective in the midst of adversity. Oh, my goodness. How beautiful. 
And I wept when I read what no. you just, those parts of, I wept. it's been a long time since I wept. I cried those big tears when I read a book and I, it, it was so touching. And one of the things that I read in your book that was, I mean, so many things were so profound, but one of the things was when you changed your mindset from what you taught to who you taught. And when you did that, you said the real work came into focus for you. And you be, and I'm going to quote here, you began to understand the immense connection between personal and authentic relationships, classroom culture, and student learning outcomes. So Tom, in a nutshell, how would you define personal and authentic education and learning? Yeah, thank you so much in sharing that. It's recognizing that every child has brilliance recognizing that kids are different. We've tried to standardize so much for so long, but kids are the last thing from standard. So when I think about a personal education, it's recognizing the interests, the passions, and the strengths, recognizing those things that kids want to do, and recognizing how can we help guide them. So we we just use that term with us personally before, their passions, so that they get excited about coming to school. So they feel like education is something that's not just done to them, but something that they're a vital part of. And that really came through for me, especially in that first year when I started to focus on the relationship piece, now, you know, the SDL piece, the whole child piece, because very early in that year, it was about, here's my lesson plans, here's my content, here's what I have to teach, and that wasn't going so well when I was focused on, here's just the what, here's the rules, I started to connect the kids more, and that's what started to change, the relationship, the human side, and just really getting to know those students is really when when that lens was changing for me. Well, oh my gosh, and everything in your book, everything that you share really resonates with me. Nothing more so than how you shared that part of the journey to make learning personal and authentic. As part of that, it's absolutely key to know that the work starts with us, meaning uh, each of us as a teacher or principal or administrator or a mentor, whatever title any educator may have. That kind of good old phrase, the book buck stops here, really struck me with all of this. Tom, why do you feel, and I feel this way too, I I really want to hear your words, why is taking ownership of it, starting with ourselves, so important? Because I see so many people pointing fingers these days. Why is taking ownership so important? Well, let me start with this. Pointing the finger is real easy. It takes no courage. It takes uh, no bravery by any means. You know, if our superintendent would finally just, if our board would actually, if our governor would finally, that's real, real easy to do. What's a challenge for me is looking in the mirror and asking, well, what about you? How are you going to impact that? So maybe I'm a school where the culture is toxic and and it's a negative environment, and those places are very, very real. At the end of the day, we can point the finger at the person across the hall, at our department chair, at our principal, but we can't change them. We can only change ourselves. Now, we can create conditions to help people want to change. And so in looking at that, it's really reframing our lens from this person should to how can I, what can I do to create an environment where people want to be, or what can I do to support the situation? And that goes back to that lens shift that we talked about a moment ago. Oh my gosh. I I just got goosebumps. I actually just dropped, jotted that down, you know, change it from this person should to how can I, oh my gosh. Well, and you share that kind of taking it one step further, you share that for learning to be personal, authentic, and authentic, a dynamic learning culture must exist. And you share that the four pillars of creating a dynamic learning culture are leadership, interactions, which we've, we've talked about interactions, trust, and risk-taking. And I want to make sure we at least try to get to all the other three, because you already talked about how important every interaction is. So starting with leadership. And I want to make sure, to, before I ask the question, to highlight that a leader can be anyone in a school. It can be a custodian, an office secretary, a teacher. And it starts with, like we just talked about, that the best leaders don't believe it's someone else's responsibility to make great things happen. They point the finger at themselves and look inward. And they also do instead of just talk. So, Tom, why is being a leader by action so important? Yeah, we contrast that in my book, Learning Transformed, that I wrote for ASDD with Eric Scheninger, the contrast between leader by action versus leader by title. You know, titles, uh, they don't make the leader. And also, just in my own experience, some of the greatest school leaders I've ever worked with are that third-year teacher running through walls for kids every day, that 35-year veteran, although it may be her last year, She's teaching like it's going to be the best year because she knows it's for those students, it's their only year in that grade. 
Yes. It might be the custodian or that support staff member. I joke as a principal, when I was out of the building, I'm not sure everybody knew. When my secretary was gone, like, all heck broke loose some days, right? Because of the amazing leadership they displayed. But I also recognize when people sometimes get up in the morning and look in that mirror, they recognize, they don't, they don't always see school leader. So school leader by action is recognizing you can lead from where you are in the classroom. You are the leader of that classroom to empower student voices, to encourage them. If you're a support staff member, you can lead and influence students. You can step up and lead in different ways. But leadership is not by title. It is all about the action, regardless of where you are. So you can lead from wherever you are. Well, and that's a great post-it to put up on your computer. (laughs) I will lead by action today. You know, just as a reminder, oh, you know, no excuses. It's not my title. I don't get my importance or anything. You know, I don't have a, I don't, my head's not going to be puffed up because of my title. It's the action. Um, Okay. So we, like I said, we touched upon, and I think it almost goes without saying how every interaction is important. So I want to make sure we have time to touch upon the other two pillars. So regarding the third pillar of a dynamic learning culture, trust. And I I want to quote again from your amazing book, quote, trust the foundation of all interactions dictates the speed at which progress in our classrooms and school can be made. Leadership works at, at the speed of trust. Collaboration works at the speed of trust. School and classroom cultures where personal and authentic learning flourishes are built at the speed of trust. I love that. Everything works at the speed of trust. So how can educators best build trust, Tom? Maybe especially with kids who have had so much happen in their lives that trust is not even a word in their vocabulary or in their understanding. Do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Trust really is the foundation of all relationships, and relationships really are the foundation of culture. So I I asked, I would share first would be, when we look at trust, to me it also starts with modeling. If I'm a building principal, how can I model the expectations for my staff, the things that I'm asking them to do? If I'm a teacher in a classroom, how can I model the expectations that I'm sharing with our students? Because at the end of the day, if our students walk into classrooms and they don't trust their teacher, they're not going to be vulnerable. They're not going to be willing to say, hey, I don't understand this. Can you help? That vulnerability only comes when trust is there. And so the same can be said between teachers and, and a principal. That vulnerability will only happen if there's trust there. And so getting to coach principals and superintendents all across the country, quite often they'll say, Tom, I just got to a new building. Where would you begin? And I switch that question on its head and say, my, to me, it really, how do I begin to build trust? And to me, it comes by modeling expectations and doing it consistently over time. Well, I love that because here's the, here's the crux is that once trust is broken, it is a hundred times harder to rebuild. So I think starting with day one, that needs to be a core before, you know, all the academics. Once the trust is there, I feel like you can go at the speed of light with your students instead of trudging yep. along, you know. Well, yep. and the fourth pillar of dynamic learning culture uh, is what you say is risk-taking. I love this. Why, Tom, is risk-taking so important in education? Because when we look at learning and we look at growth, it requires stepping out of our comfort zone. And the reality is, as educators, we ask kids to do new things every single day. But if I'm totally real, sometimes we can be the worst. And I'm speaking about myself of (laughs) wanting to step out of my comfort zone and try something new. And it's a case of we're asking kids, try something new. You can do it. But then in a professional learning, it's like, nope, not me. I can't try. I don't have time to do something new. And so when it comes down to that, creating an environment where people can fail forward, creating an environment where they can try something, and if it doesn't go well, but we tried and every, you know, every effort was made, celebrate that, because now you know a way that doesn't work, and let's keep moving that forward. If we want true learning to, go, to grow, and especially deeper levels of learning, creating an environment where kids can take risks, and I'm a building principal, creating a, a school where our teachers can take risks, and it's encouraged, and it's modeled kids and every person in that organization will flourish in an environment of true risk-taking when it can happen. Well, and that's how kids are going to um, learn to live their best life, too. You know, if, if, if you feel stuck in a box when you're a kid, it's very hard once you're all of a sudden out of college or out of high school, 22, 23 years old, it's like you've just learned to live in that box. But if you learn from the get-go as a child, like you said, from that modeling, when you actually see it in action, oh my gosh, goosebumps. 
So stay with me, Tom. We've only just scratched the surface of all the questions I have for you. But first, I want to give away a whole bunch of your absolutely awesome books. I'm so excited about this. So here's tonight's second On the Right Road giveaway, everyone. It's open to all educators in the U.S. listening to On the Right Road right now. I have 10 of Tom's extraordinary personal and authentic book to give away. I believe this book should be like a cornerstone guide for every teacher and in every school and in every school district. It is amazing. And I actually wish I could give one to every single one of you. Um, But for this giveaway, there will be 10 educator recipients and each will receive a copy of Tom's personal and authentic book. So to enter... Just go to our Right Road Kids Facebook page right now as you're listening. Just follow those simple entry guidelines in the giveaway post. Remember to include tonight's word authentic as part of your entry comment, even if you included it in tonight's earlier giveaway, okay, because that lets us know that you're listening. And this giveaway will be open until just after the end of the show, till 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern tonight, and we'll announce the 10 recipients on our Right Road Kids Facebook page this coming Tuesday afternoon. Huge thanks to Tom himself for donating six of his fantastic books, and thanks also to Mo Anderson on behalf of Keller Williams for helping to make this very special book giveaway possible. So, Tom, I'm going to dive right back in here. Oh, my gosh. Here's a big one. Well, all the questions are big. But why are the words, that's the way we've always done it? And this touches upon the risk-taking we just talked about. But why are those words, that's the way we've always done it, some of the most dangerous in education? Yeah, absolutely. And first I'll say kudos to the teachers and how they've pivoted all the time throughout the pandemic and the greatness yes. that's happening with their backs against the wall and saying, hey, we can't do in-person, so tomorrow you better figure out virtual. And guess what? They did it. And they picked <laughs> it up and they continued to, ran, or to run. But when you look at that's the way we've always done it, we have to learn, look first from a learning science end. Your brain is wired for safety. Your brain is wired not to take those risks and jump forward into the unknown. Your brain is wired for safety, which also means we become really comfortable with the things that we know. That's human nature. It's not inherently bad. But when we take a look at that's the way we've always done it mindset, we completely obliterate the opportunity for growth. If you look at the pandemic and we look outside of schools for a moment, if you look at churches, if you look at restaurants, if you look at any of those places, that's the way we've always done it mindset. If that's what some of those places had, they are now closed. Right. Because they didn't evolve with the crazy pandemic, right? right. And so when we look at the, that, that mindset, it's challenging our own mindset to say, am I humble and vulnerable enough to say, even though greatness has happened in the past, I need to always be open for different ways to evolve with our students. Let's face it, the world our students live in right now is very different than the generation that I grew up in. There's certainly a lot of similarities. But, you know, technology is such a part of their daily life. And so if my mindset is, this is how it worked in 1982, it's a different world for them. It doesn't mean what we did in 1982 is bad. It just means that we need to evolve to make sure we're doing, we're maximizing all the opportunities with all the things that we do have in place. And so it's hard to overcome because it's human nature. But at the same time, we need to continue to do it for ourselves and for our students. Yes, and I love that. I jotted this down when that you just said, am I humble and vulnerable enough? I, I love that as it relates to what we talked about a moment ago with ha- taking ownership. You know, am I humble and vulnerable enough to help my kids grow and to not keep things in the box? Oh, my gosh. So kind of related to this, Tom, why is having vision as an educator, so important, not kind of just going day by day, but having vision and big vision. Why is that so important for an educator? Yeah, so let's start out with a daily uh, a, a daily conversation piece related to this question. The next time you get in your car, turn it on, close your eyes, and start driving. And let's figure out how well it goes. No, don't really do that, people. Don't really do that. <laughs> Here's my point. Without the vision, what happens? We crash. Without the vision, we don't have that end goal. And so when we look at it, I use, I'll make the analogy of Waze. I love the Waze app. You know, the app that tells you where all yes. the police are? No, no, I'm just kidding. It's, it's the app that, it's a social driving app. And so yes, what it yeah. does is it leverages a lot of data, you know, to be able to connect, to get you to that end point, And it does so in the best way possible. Here's the problem. If you don't have the vision of where you're trying to go, 
We're just spinning our wheels in that car. And how many times as educators do we feel like we're just spinning our wheels? And so that vision helps us to be efficient. That vision helps us to keep our priorities and our goals in order. And that vision ultimately can also be celebrated once we get there. And we know celebration is a part of this as well. That's really, really important, just like your show. Well, oh, thank you, Tom. Well, and and the vision keeps you moving forward, even if all those um, bizarre things like happen are are still happening in the midst of the pandemic. If you don't have the vision, it's so like you said, it's so hard to get there to keep moving forward. It's just like you just want to stop and be stuck in the snow with your wheels spinning. If but if you see the vision, if you see it, it's like oh, I I can get there. I got this. I just one more step yep. forward. What you know? So I, yeah. Here, here's something else that's big. I, I thought of this uh, when I was reading this particular section in your book. I remember in one of the Star Trek movies, one of the key lines was, and I'm going to quote, how the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And when I think of things like the situation Spock was in in the movie or our real world situation right now with the pandemic, that thought process definitely has its hugely important place in the world. But when it comes to education, like you touched upon earlier, Tom, and you highlight in your book how being personal and authentic means recognizing the needs of each individual and not just considering the overall well-being of the group, which I also agree with a thousand percent. And yet... It seems like that thought can be very overwhelming for overworked and overburdened educators. I I read a Forbes article a few days ago that shared, and I'm going to quote, understaffed and overworked as they are, many teachers simply do not have time to see, hear, and forge meaningful connection with students, even though that connection is a non-negotiable part of education and the basis of learning. Um, But the article was titled, um, Why Education is About to Reach a Crisis of Epic Proportions. So help, Tom. Oh, my gosh. What are two or three practical ways that can help teachers recognize the needs of each individual child, especially in these overwhelming kind of times like we're currently in? Yeah, I I read that article as well, Paul. It certainly ripped my heart out. The moment we start to say, you know, I don't have time for also can be reinterpreted as how is it not high enough on my priority list? I get it. Time is a real, real issue for teachers. So I don't want to misunderstand anybody misunderstand, but is it a reality that I can't connect? Let me give you an example of we could do an assignment for writing, or we can do, I'm going to give a shout out to my daughter's sixth grade teacher. One of the first writing assignments that she did this year, I mean, if I'm a teacher, I'm doing some sort of a writing assignment. She tweaked it to help to get to know the kids. So from a time end, it wasn't any different. The writing assignment was, if you really knew me, you would know that, and in Personal and Authentic, I share about the hidden stories within. It's the stories on the hearts of our students that they walk into our classroom that you can't see, yet they're on their hearts. They're also the stories that are teaching across the hall and leaving our building as well. But when we do something like that, we give students an environment where they can share things that are on their heart. My daughter shared part of what I shared in Personal and Authentic about her medical journey, which gave her daughter's teacher insight into the stories on the heart, but it was because she gave an opportunity and a writing assignment. Second thing that I would say, and I know many teachers go down this road, is how often do we leverage our parents in what works best for an individual student? So Uh can we use a parent inventory on how their child learns best, a parent feedback form on what their child is saying about school when they get home and solicit that feedback. Those parents know those students, their children, inside and out. And to be honest, sometimes we don't really ask them what they think. And I'm talking about me when I say that, not your classroom as a listener. But engage parents in a way to get feedback, ask for strategies, ask for thoughts, ask for some of those interests and passions. What is it that Caden enjoys at home? So that if I know that, maybe I can work that into that next assignment. We can do things like that efficiently because I get time is a real issue. But if we look at it as I just have to teach X content over here, we completely disconnect from the student and engagement's going to fall and all those uh, various aspects of that. We miss the relational piece. Well, and as you were talking, Tom, the thing that struck me right away was when you, you know, when you were talking about how we're all pressed for time, you know, Kids can feel the second they walk into a classroom if they're not the priority, you know, and from right there, if they if they just feel like, gosh, this teacher doesn't even uh, 
They don't even see me. It doesn't even matter if I'm here. And and I get it. How how the there you know there needs to be 82 hours in a day, not just 24 for teachers, right? But I love how you said you can just shift things a little bit, and maybe the better use of time, just changing that essay a tiny little bit is going to give you so much insight. I love that. Well, and I here's another thing that I love is that you highlight over and over and over that technology is a tool and an amplifier, not a learning goal or outcome. So to best understand this, two questions related. What is the difference between consumption-based technology and learning versus active, creative-based screen time? And again, related, what are some questions teachers can ask themselves to assure technology is used as active screen time? This uh, what is a great so question. key right Man, now, we, right? We could spend hours, yeah, we could spend hours on just this topic, especially yes. because of all the technology that's been purchased throughout. And I will say, I'm a huge uh, fan of EdTech when it is used well, but right. we have to know what actually works. If you log on to social media, and I'm a big social media user, you'll see, like, that app is a game changer, or I went totally paperless, and all these pieces. And at the end of the day, we have to say, so what, now what? Now, there are uh-huh. certain things for maybe special education that absolutely can be game changers if they're providing additional access. But just because something is digital does not mean it's any good, and that stuff gets celebrated all the time. Just because something's on a Google Doc does not mean it's any better than something that was written on a piece of paper. Now, we have to take into consideration things like efficiency and things like that, for sure, but we have to look at what actually works. The U.S. Department of Education a couple years ago put out the National Ed Tech Plan, and one of the terms they used in it was the digital use divide. We've been talking about the digital divide in our country for well over 20 years, but the digital use divide is more of a prevalent issue, and it contrasts Active versus passive use. Passive use is that consumption-based like you were sharing. And here's the thing. We will do it. We're watching a static video. We're reading a static web page. We're taking in. And inherently, it's not bad. And we will absolutely do that. But we have to recognize what it is. It's low-level learning. So yes. the more time we spend on, the, uh, on the, uh, the passive use, which, again, is not inherently bad, but the more time we spend on it, the more time we're dedicating to low-level learning and low-level tasks. We contrast that with really what works with EdTech. And from a research end, it's to explore, it's to design, it's to create. You know, we've seen a large STEM push in the last number of years, coding push. A lot of those pieces are, are deeper in nature because it is around that explore, that design, that create. And that's really what works with EdTech. The reality, you can't be active 100% of the time. That's for sure. So if you're a principal right. listening, don't walk into that classroom and assume it. But it's active where our focus needs to be because that's going to be the deeper levels of use at that point. Well, and I think this is a, a point of education where where a lot of um, positive, constructive, helpful PD needs to happen because kids are experts. So when they walk into a classroom and a teacher just doesn't know how to use the technology or whatever, they just kind of chuckle. They're like, oh my gosh, here we go. You know, so I think education systems, especially in situations now with the pandemic, and I think because of this, tech is going to continue to be a, a bigger and bigger part of our kids' educational lives and their lives in the future, right? I mean, for all of us. So I think this yeah, teachers need to learn how to to make it um, that active, creative piece of the educational puzzle. And I think that's something that our country and school districts need to address big time. I, I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but I feel really strongly about that because, you know, what if a teacher has been teaching 35 years and it's overwhelming for them just to, to get an app to come up, you know? So anyway... Next next huge topic, Tom, I'm going to plow forward a little because I want to make sure we cover everything. And this is, this is huge, too. What does it mean to fail forward as an educator? You know, educators, I swear, we're wired to be perfectionists. You know, I, I love the heart of educators. I, every, every educator I've ever worked with wants that lesson plan to go well. They want to be well planned. They want their students to do well. But I swear we are wired to be perfectionists, and I know that biologically it's not correct, but we can get ourselves so focused or so worked up on making sure everything is perfect and making sure that that lesson was perfect. When I talk about failing forward, it's really also about giving yourself some grace. At a time right now where they are being asked 
hey, we've got to go virtual today. Nope, we're in person tomorrow. You're going to do half and half. Nope, you're going to do yeah. it this way. Give, give <sighs> yourself enough grace because you're human. No matter how good you are, how talented you are, kids are kids, and things happen. The Internet goes off. Craziness happens. And give yourself enough grace in those moments to say, you know what? We're going to pick up the pieces because at the end of the day, when we fail forward, when we get up and we keep trying and we get up and we keep trying, we're modeling to our students perseverance. And part of it also, as teachers, when we do this, is to show students you're not perfect and things happen. And, guys, that totally fell apart because, hey, in life, that happens sometimes. So we're going to pick these pieces back up and we're going to keep moving forward because at the end of the day, if our students look at us as this perfect person that knows it all, that always gets it right, that never makes mistakes as lovingly as I can, they can't relate to that person because they have no idea what that feels like. So picking ourselves up, being real, being vulnerable is key. Oh, I love that. And it teaches our kids how to fail forward. And that's that's what yep. it's all about. Oh, my gosh. So I can't believe this time has gone so quickly, Tom. Is there a final one-minute message you'd like to share with all of our wonderful Right Road teacher and parent and, and everybody, friends listening? Absolutely. I will say, going back to where I started and thanking you for your work, you are the type of people that go to bed worried about other people's kids, and you give all day long, and you go, and you go, and you go, and you give until you got nothing left. And for many of you, you go back home, and you give until you've got nothing left at home. So don't forget about you. The very first words of Personal and Authentic are, the work is hard, but our kids are worth it. And I will also add to that, you're worth it too. Self-care is not selfish. Make sure to disconnect. Make sure to not lose our families in the chaos of this world and to keep them that priority. My friends, self-care is not selfish. You also deserve it. Make sure to take that you time. And I'm not just talking about summer and winter break. I'm talking yes. about making sure that you're investing in yourself and your families as well. Oh, thank you so much, Tom. I, I don't want this show to end. I mean, you are such a blessing. <laughs> I, and again, I know oh, we've just scratched you. the surface of, oh my gosh, of all of your amazing vision and work and expertise. Truly, a million times thank you for taking the time to inspire and uplift us here on The Right Road and for everything you do to help make education in the world personal and authentic and better. <laughs> thank you, Tom. Oh, oh my goodness. I thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, you're welcome. And you guys, to purchase Tom's books or to connect with him about speaking at your event or school district, just go to Tom's website at Thomas C. Murray. That's Thomas, T-H-O-M-A-S-C, the letter C, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y dot com. And oh my gosh, I hope you'll check out his personal and authentic book that we highlighted tonight. I think it's actually on sale on Amazon right now, you guys. And as I said earlier, I think... Every educator needs to read it as a helpful, inspirational, and really enlightening guide. Uh, You will be blessed by reading it. And as I always want to make sure to do, thank you to our amazing On the Right Road sponsors, Right Road Kids, Right Road Productions, Nair, Seatsack, the Lithia and DCH auto dealerships, and their support companies, including DCH Subaru of Thousand Oaks, the Just Shop with Jackie Facebook group, Leggy Liner, Lori Stinas and her Keller Williams real estate team, and Mo Anderson on behalf of KW and her extraordinary A Joyful Life book. And as tonight's nuggets from my heart that you can take with you into the week to come and into the rest of the school year, I'd like to share a few of the Make It Stick notes from Tom's personal and authentic book, along with a few of my added thoughts. Um, So here's the first one. And I'm going to quote, make time each day to connect with each individual child. Like we talked about, we are all pressed for time, but that connection can make a lifelong impact. And, you know, I think some days this may mean just looking right at, right into their eyes or patting a child on the back. I mean, when I did assemblies pre-pandemic time and hundreds of kids would literally be clamoring and gathering around just to say hi or to ask questions or to give a hug. I would make it a point to stay and to make sure to kind of slowly move my gaze around the room, around the circle of of students that were sometimes 10, 15, 20 deep in every direction. And at the very least, I I wanted to make sure to look into each child's eyes. And I, I get choked up thinking about it because I knew it mattered that not one child felt unseen. I think that's a core human need. We all just want to be seen. And I think for each other, And for our kids, that's one of the best gifts we can give someone is to really see them. 
I know we don't have a lot of time, but sometimes a glance, that knowing look in their eyes lets them know you're seen, you're heard, and I care. Uh, And number two, and again, I'm going to quote, this is one of his make it stick notes from his book. Don't be afraid to push the lesson aside and just talk to your students. It's okay to make time for meaningful conversations, end quote. And I think oftentimes those spur the moment conversations that blossom from a lesson or kind of jut off in a different tangent can be just as important and sometimes even more so than the lesson itself. And they can drive home the lesson in an even more meaningful way. We just can't be afraid to veer from the lesson plan for a minute. And I I just feel so strongly that admins need to understand this and not reprimand teachers for doing it in situations where the time is right and really needed. Um, And number three, make it stick for tonight. Um, And again, I'm going to quote, Teacher burnout is at an all-time high in urban school districts due to the fact that most of those teachers do not have a deep understanding of the backgrounds and struggles of their students. Relationships before rigor. A student with an empty stomach witness to violence working to help put food on the table does not care about figurative language nor the Pythagorean theorem before his or her basic needs. And I want to interject that I think... In almost all cases, it's not that teachers don't want to have that deep understanding. Like we talked about earlier tonight, it's it's that they're feeling so overwhelmed themselves and beyond strapped for time to truly know the life of each child. And the pandemic has actually created a situation of this, quote, deep understanding focus, not just crucially needed for at-risk students, but for all students, because it's an un- in an unprecedented way. Almost all students, all kids are facing significant struggles now, whether it be academic, personal, mental health, or all these kind of struggles kind of rolled up into a ball. The Right Road team and I, we talk about this all the time. And one of the hardest parts about it is that teachers themselves are in situations where no one may be understanding their struggles. It goes back to the importance of each person, child or adult, needing to feel seen and heard. And that's where I think this whole personal and authentic lens is beyond important in education for every classroom, school, and school district now more than ever. I feel like what we shared together this evening and Tom's book and the whole personal and authentic approach and lens is what is needed in education. Uh, Like Tom shared earlier, we can't get stuck in just going with how we've always done things because things like technology and life itself are constantly changing and morphing, really at the speed of light. Um, And it's creating this need for new ways to look at and do things. And when we're personal and authentic, we can navigate through it all together and find our way. I believe that personal and authentic on all levels in education can lead education in the right direction all the way around. It's a huge part of the answer. And I'm just so thankful that we've had this time together this evening to join together in this light. And I sure hope that every second of our time together this evening has been a light and an empowering inspiration for you. I, I just hope that you've, you have like this refreshed and hopeful and uplifting feeling in your heart and that you're feeling seen and heard. And speaking of an uplifted feeling, I have more giving fun for you this evening, you guys. Remember, before I share giveaway number three, to check our Right Road Kids Facebook page this coming Tuesday afternoon for the super long list of recipients from all of tonight's pre-show and live broadcast giveaways. So, this giveaway number three tonight is open to all educators in the U.S. listening to On the Right Road right now. I have eight wonderful, personal, and authentic teacher totes that I got from Tom's web store at thomasmurray.com. Check it out, you guys. He's got tons of great merch, and you can find his books on his site, too. And for the totes, I filled each one of them, each of the eight, with awesome new school supplies. The supplies aren't going to be pictured in the giveaway post. Just know that each tote will come with a ton. So there will be eight educator recipients from this giveaway, and each will receive one of the very special totes filled with supplies. So to enter, just go to our Right Road Kids Facebook page right now as you're listening. Just follow those simple entry guidelines in the giveaway post. Remember to include tonight's code word AUTHENTIC. As part of your entry comment, even if you included it in tonight's other giveaway entries, okay? This giveaway will be open until just after the end of the show 
till 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern tonight. And we'll announce the eight recipients on our Right Road Kids Facebook page this coming Tuesday afternoon. Huge thanks to Tom himself for donating the totes and to Nair and Mo Anderson on behalf of Keller Williams and her wonderful A Joy-Filled Life book for helping to make this awesome giveaway possible. Once again, tons of thanks to Thomas C. Murray for being my amazing guest on The Right Road tonight. Thank you to Marcy for her always wonderful behind-the-scenes support. Thank you to my terrific engineer, Gabe, and the whole Voice America team. And thank you all so very much for listening and being a part of The Right Road family. Blessings, love, and light to every single one of you. (coughs) Excuse me. And here's the great big surprise, you guys. If you listened all the way to the end here... I have an amazingly special bonus gift opportunity centered around our Together We Can Do Great Things Right Road theme for 2022. And as part of this bonus opportunity, each one of you who participate can receive an awesome gift pack tonight, right here, right now. I'm kicking off this year's 5 by the 5th slash 10 by the 10th gift pack opportunity. It's a special way to share the right road love and positivity at your school and with your fellow educators. So here's the deal. If you encourage five new right road educator friends to sign up with us on our website by February 5th, 2022, you'll receive a $50 school supply pack or... If you encourage 10 new Right Road teacher friends to sign up on our website by February 10th, you'll receive a $100 school supply gift box. Our website is rightroadkids.org. That's R-I-G-H-T-R-O-A-D-K-I-D-S.org, O-R-G. The sign-up tab is on the right side of the page when you go to our site. Just let your educator friends know. They can be teachers, aides, administrators, librarians, any educators at your school or any other school as long as your encouragement is what leads them to sign up. And then when you have your list of, list of either five or ten educator friends who have signed up, just send me an email by February 5th for five signups or by February 10th for ten signups. Send me an email at heypaula, that's H-E-Y-P-A-U-L-A, my normal Right Road email, at rightroadkids.org. Again, heypaula at rightroadkids.org. In that email... Include your current school info so we know where to send your gift pack or box. And the list of names of your teacher friends who've signed up on our Right Road Kids website because you encouraged them so we can confirm they've signed up. And then we'll get your school supply gift pack in the mail to you. How awesome is that, you guys? And I know I went fast, so if you missed the details, as always, this episode will be available to listen to or download for free. So you can listen to those 5 by the 5th, 10 by the 10th details again. Or you can listen to any parts of the show you may have missed. As I typically do, I'll post the free listen download link on our Right Road Kids Facebook page page about a half hour after we wrap up here so you have easy access to it and you guys watch for the click and listen giveaway for this episode coming up at some time in the near future even if you're listening now you can still click and listen and enter that giving fun and between our live on the right road broadcasts you can always connect with us on our right road kids facebook page instagram page and via our website at rightroadkids.org and like i always like to do you guys i always want to make sure to close with always remember that you are special appreciated loved heard and seen until next time on the right road here on the voice america empowerment channel Be that daily, positive, bold, empowered inspiration for the kids in your life and live your best, most amazing life on the right road. Hey, you guys, keep being the one, the only personal and authentic you because you are amazing and you're a beacon of light and love, I should say, for your students every single day. Oh my gosh, you guys, I love and appreciate you all so much. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you again real soon on the right road. I love you. Thank you for listening to On the Right Road with your host, Paula Phillips. Connect with us anytime at www.rightroadkids.org or at Right Road Kids on Facebook. And we'll catch you again here every first and third Sunday of the month at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Right Road. Right Road.